This is Aftermath, where we bring you the week that was in MMA. It's your man, The Voice, Fights Correspondent for MTMV Sports, joined by my man, my MMA man, Josh <laughs> Musil. What's going on, Josh? Not much, man. I am just living the dream. Hey. The exhausted, never... I have to live the dream because I don't ever get to dream. I don't get to sleep. <laughs> so I just got to live it. <laughs> Sound like the newborn baby blues. <laughs> hey, um, I, as a kid in college, I used to eat three musketeers, drink Mountain Dew, and fall asleep in class every day. It wasn't until the birth of my first son that caffeine really started having an impact and an effect on me. Looking back at it, now being older and knowing caffeine's impact on me, it probably worked back then. It's just that it wore off. uh, And when it wore off, I was no good. I needed more. Uh, But yeah, I would fall asleep in class every single day. I had it down to a science. I was like, shoot, I'm not fighting it anymore. I would uh, hide my head right behind uh, my buddies, and I would just put my my head <laughs> on my hand, and I get a quick five minute power nap, and I was good for the rest of the day. I, I, <laughs> the science yes, of sleeping yes. in class. <laughs> now, granted, I was working overnights at the time, so Ooh. you know it, it was rough on a on the kid, but I made it, and shoot. I, I'm just thinking of that semester alone. I think I got straight A's that semester. So, uh, yeah, the, the I, I mastered in, in, with my my ninja skills the art of the power nap. I <laughs> uh, love it, man. I love it. Well, let's talk about UFC 230, which was the second highest gate this year for the UFC, right behind 229. So they've had a pretty good. 30, 35 days. There was only one fight on the main card that went the distance. And in that fight, two judges gave Baby K a 10-8 round. So you know that it was a dominant performance. Every single victor made a definitive statement. The performance of the night went to Israel, the last style bender Adesanya. Jared the Killer Gorilla Cannoneer and then the fight of the night was Jacare Ronaldo Souza and Chris Weidman go ahead and, and, and tell us about that fight Josh the Jacare yes, Weidman that was uh, well it was kind of reminiscent to the last couple fights that Weidman's been in um, looked phenomenal uh, for all but the last few minutes of the fight. Um, really looked good. Was was uh, throwing good punches. Was was just I don't know controlling the octagon. Uh, bust up Jacare's nose pretty good. Uh, just all in all, everything looked just ridiculously good. 
until it wasn't. I, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, he was winning the fight until he wasn't. Um, it, I don't know what's going on <laughs> with them. Um, I feel bad for the guy a little bit. Um, seeing him there and seeing the respect between those two mm-hmm. fighters, by the way, was uh, just absolutely phenomenal. Um, I believe even the, in the post-fight interview, there was just so much uh, respect being being shown. Um, as a matter of fact, in the, the fight-ending sequence um, was uh, um, just a, a – a really good display of sportsmanship. I mean, Jacare landed just a solid shot. I mean, at least from our vantage point, <laughs> a clear knockout. Um, Weidman was reaching for, I say reaching. I mean, he looked like a zombie trying to crawl out of his, his right. site there, um, reaching for, for a heel and kind of like kind of cupped Jacare's heel and kind of put his head on his foot and he actually looked at the ref and goes, look, man, he's he's done. And and for some reason, he was told to continue to fight. So he threw two or three hammer fists, um, you know, nothing incredibly hard uh, before the fight was finally called. And just just to see that, and then again, you know, afterwards, you just had so much, uh, you had so much, love between the dudes i mean it was just crazy they had pictures on instagram after the fight it was just incredible all around uh the stoppage was not my favorite that's for sure um again you watched the replay and weidman was out when he caught the shot i mean he caught it right on the temple um it in in defense the shot itself didn't look like it was going to be a knockout mm-hmm. shot um, I, I mean, I, I, you know, standing up, seeing the shot, I was actually surprised when it not until I saw the replay and I actually saw that because I thought it kind of hit him more on the top of the head. I thought, you know, Weidman was coming in, throwing, I think, a left over the top, ducked his head. It looked like it hit him on the top of the head. It caught him just perfect around the temple. Knocked really? him out. I mean, head bounced off. It's what it looked to me like it catches him right in that left temple. <laughs> And and uh, maybe, as, okay. as he's going and into maybe, it, maybe it did. Maybe it kind of went around that way because <laughs> it looked like it caught him square in the forehead, and then kind of went over the top of the forehead um, and just scrambled his brain. But I, I don't know. I, I know that was one of the most awkward falls ever. He looked like he was <laughs> falling in slow motion. Yeah, and that that yeah, and just. T- his and his head coming off the cage like that, like that, and that's just what confused me about the stoppage. I mean, you nailed it. He fell, like his body was so locked, like it didn't want to fall over. It was like dropping a giant tree mm-hmm. and just that real slow. And then when he hits the ground, I mean, he's so tense that his his head hit off the the cage, and that I was like, man, that just did not look pretty. And then of course, not actually stopping the fight i believe it was dan yeah, Margotta it was. It was too if i'm game. not mistaken um and i mean there's been a lot of people analyzing saying that the reason he couldn't tell is because jacare was between him and, and weidman's head and i'm like man I, I hate to say it i know i'm not a referee i get it but uh i just don't see how you did not see the knockout from the standing position how he bounced off the cage how he stayed stiff and then 
even not being able to see his eyes on the ground, you should have known that he was out of it when he's like gingerly reaching for um, uh, for Jacques Ray's foot in like the most awkward 35 seconds in yeah. MMA history <laughs> when nobody seemed like they knew what to do and poor Chris Weidman's just trying not to die. I don't know. What else to say? What else to say about yeah. it? I guess, and I, I wouldn't say trying not to die, but he was doing his best to <laughs> survive. You know, he was just on autopilot. Yeah. Like, okay, well, let me grab or do something, and and you know, it is what it is. Like you s- said it correctly in the beginning that Weidman was winning until he wasn't. Uh, I know Jacare was mouth breathing from round one due to the uh, jabs and the one-twos that he was throwing. I mean, Wyman looked really good. Now, I don't agree with a couple of the judges who had it going 20 to 18 for Wyman going into the third. I thought it was pretty clear that Jacare won round two. Could have been a little hometown bias. I don't know. Uh, but it doesn't matter because Jacare <laughs> um, <laughs> put the stamp on it in that round and was done. And I, if I am the Sarah Longo team and they come to me with a fight for Chris Weidman at MSG, the answer is no. <laughs> it is absolutely <laughs> not. Just twice in a row. Uh, and you, you said it perfectly with Romero winning the fight till he got clipped with that knee. Jacare <laughs> winning the fight. Till he gets hit with that that overhand right, you know it's just yeah, it's crazy. And a lot of people have been saying that Mergliata may have also um, given it a little time. Well, one because of the angle. I mean, with the way that the camera showed it, it was really clear as to what happened um, from our vantage point. He was on the mm-hmm. other side, so you know it, it may not have been as clear. But again, the way he fell was enough to say, okay, this needs to stop, you know, but fair enough. And then also with it being uh, in his hometown in New York, he may have been trying to give him a little bit of opportunity, but yeah, it it was done and it should have, it should have been over. Should have been over. Yeah. Yeah. And a a guy with lesser respect for Chris Weidman could have really hurt him. Right. I think is really what, what the problem has come to it kind of turns into a looking back on it. it's like well no real harm no foul you know he didn't take any additional damage I mean even the hammer fist though there's still a hammer fist from some you know from a professional fighter um, he wasn't raining them down trying you know he was just kind of doing enough to show look he's not even moving mm-hmm. his head I mean he's just he doesn't know where to move I mean he's his eyes are open, but right. they ain't working. You yeah, know what I'm light, saying? The lights were and uh, if that was anybody else, could have really, really had done damage. And and um, this isn't, you know, and it's starting to become a seems like a almost an every card type thing where there's some kind of a fight like this where somebody uh, really gets into a bad spot and there's a referee that's just not stepping in. I mean, you're seeing it all over Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, all over the, the the social medias, and you're seeing it if you're watching the cards. Um, that a lot of these refs are letting some of these fights go far too long, and some guys are really getting hurt. This one, you know, we can look back on and be, you know, good thing nothing worse happened. <laughs> but uh, well, um, but definitely. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
could have, but definitely, definitely could have uh, been worse. Well, to his credit, and again, we we have to remember we're dealing with <laughs> human beings and different vantage points and angles. I happen to be listening to the MMA beat today, and Chuck Mendenhall said from where he was sitting when Weidman fell, it was just like a knockdown. He, you know, wasn't as bad looking as it was to everyone who had the vantage point of the cameras. So he kind of understood why um, why Dan let it go. It's like he was fighting and then all of a sudden he fell and it's like, well, what's going on? You know, so you know, to, to <laughs> his, his credit as well, he did a great job stepping in and stopping the uh, Adesanya and Brunson fight. You know, it was obvious mm-hmm. that Brunson was out of it. He was like, okay, no more damage. So, fortunately, everything worked out. Fortunately, and you say they were taking pictures and stuff uh, behind the scenes. Wideman and uh, Souza are friends. Their wives mm-hmm. know each other. They get together with their, with their families and stuff. So, fortunately, you know, he was in there with a friend. Like I said, not someone who uh, who thought less of him. All right, let's move right along and uh, a fight that I really didn't know how it was going to play out because Jacare was supposed to fight this guy and then all of a sudden he couldn't because he had to be bumped up because Luke Rockhold has all kinds of issues and probably doesn't need to fight ever again. But that's neither here nor there. Jared the Killer <laughs> Gorilla Cannoneer and David Branch. Round one typified a striker versus grappler match. As long as they were standing, advantage to Jared. As soon as it hit the mat, advantage to David. Unfortunately for the killer gorilla, he went down three times in that round and stayed there due to what I know you uh, saw and got your goat. A very well-hidden fence grab. <laughs> That kept him on the ground. <laughs> At one point, I was like, ooh, that was a good one because you could barely see it. And as soon as the, the ref got around, he took his fingers out the cage and it was just his fist there. I was like, man, that that man knows how to uh, to fight. That's a wily veteran move there. <laughs> uh, second round, no boy. Woo, Cannoneer came out swinging. Branch got caught with that overhand right. And he was, he was like, all right, let me back up and try to get away and, and regroup. And his feet wouldn't listen to his head, and down he went. <laughs> then Jerry followed him to the mat, uh, got to his side, wrapped one arm around his waist, and with the other arm, he threw hooks until Keith Peterson had to call it off. And it was less than a minute into round one. It was stopped at like 29 seconds into the round. A lot was made out of or of the Killer Gorilla's ring interest too, as he was paying respect to Adesanya. Uh, when Adesanya came in, you know he he acted like he was marking his territory as a dog would, and he did that his first fight in the UFC as well, just marking his territory, and then said something about it in the post fight. So Cannoneer came out and did as any. Uh, dog would do smell the spot. I was like, wait a minute, somebody uh, marked their spot. I'm marking my territory. So he act like uh, 
Adesanya did and marked his territory. And in the post-fight, he was like, you know, it was not to be disrespectful or anything. He just did as a dog would with marking his territory. And it was his time in the cage and therefore his territory. You know, Izzy knew to play. And he said it was all love in the post-fight interview. So, uh, you know, no harm, no foul. Uh, it, was, it was not a call out. It was just a, hey, I see what you did. And it's time for me to make my mark. So I'm going to do that. And it helped him get $50,000. <laughs> yes, sir. And someone who didn't get $50,000 but had a real good fight was uh, Mr. Hassaprat. I believe I said that correctly. And if I didn't, well, it's too late now because <laughs> it's come out my mouth. <laughs> Talk a little bit about that fight. I know that uh, that one stood out to you. It did, um, exceptionally so, because as I've been rolling through my notes here, as I've been talking to you about it, that was actually two that fights was. ago. That was. <laughs> you know, I, I was looking at the... Uh... I, I had typed it on the same sheet as I'm looking through, and uh, I was like, wait a second, I'm trying to pull up fight metrics because I wanted to talk about just the striking uh-huh. of, of him. And I went, oh, man, I'm not even in the right place. Yeah, I, I just realized um, that, too, because I, I was <laughs> I got sheer dog up because I couldn't remember who he fought. <laughs> And I just wanted to see. I was like, wait a minute. That's not on here. I think that was on the last fight. Okay. It was. Um, and I guess uh, I guess when I went through to get rid of, uh, because if you guys didn't realize, I missed last week because I just got way busier than I thought I was going to be. Um, so when I went to go do my notes, which I typically write down, I was like, man, I'm going to do it on the computer because I'm going to be on my computer while we're doing the podcast. And uh, I guess I deleted everything but that. And when I saw it, I was like, man, that was a good fight. I like that fight. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently so much so (laughs) that I just forgot to talk about a fight on this last card on 230. Um, But so what I can do is I will move over quickly because it was another fight. It was very short. And I'll just kind of – I'll pivot here just for a second. I'll talk about the good and Ben Saunders fight, Lyman Good and Ben Saunders. Um, I'll run into that one. It was, it was a quick fight. Um, it was one of those just, just those quick hitters, man. They came out. Um, uh, good was throwing uh, some some legs to try to keep Saunders um, at bay, just you know, just chopping him down to start with. Uh, I believe you know, trying to keep range. I do believe he was the considerably a taller fighter. Um, I don't have those stats up, of course, because why would I? Uh, you, you're, uh, you're talking <laughs> uh, about Saunders and Lyman Good. All right, yes. I, I'll, uh, that's why I'm on share, dog. I got your back, man. I there got your is. back. Go ahead and yeah. I'll share that. Uh, I, I think so. Uh, Saunders um, was throwing some some kick to the kicks to the body. They got into a tie clinch, um, which if you've watched any of Ben Saunders' fights, you know that he loves that because he has that height advantage. Typically, he loves to get in behind that uh, behind that neck and that tie clinch and just throw some killer knees. Um, he landed a few of them, uh, but Good was countering with some uppercuts mm-hmm. inside you, inside of that tie clinch. Um, and really, it was just kind of a rock'em, sock'em, robot style of, uh, of knees and punches. And Good um, landed one right on the chin. Saunders collapses. Um, Good follows in with uh, some hammer fists, and the fight was over. Uh, really, uh, I know it wasn't anything that Good was necessarily doing. I mean, he's the one that got caught into this clinch. But um, was able to mitigate, you know, a lot of those guys when they get in that clinch, 
they they freeze up. They're, the first thing they start doing is trying to get out of it. Not a lot of guys actually decide to use offense for their mm-hmm. defense. You know, you, you, what a lot of guys forget is when you're in that tie clinch, he's also right there. Um, and he has to create separation in order to let those knees go. Um, so throw those uppercuts, throw whatever you can um, to work your way out. And this, in this, this circumstance, um, it paid off really well for good. Uh, Sander, Sanders lost, Saunders lost his last fight mm-hmm. as well um, to submission. Um, so he's now on a two fight skid. If I'm, I think it's only a two fight yes. skid. Uh, I think he beat um, he beat Ellenberger. That was his last. Ellenberger, yeah, with with the knees, right. <laughs> uh, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, so I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen there. Um, I I enjoy. I mean, I'm a fan of that tie clinch style. I really like that. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, you've seen guys use that for. For years, I mean Anderson Silva in, in right. his uh, in his title reign, um, he had a couple of, of of times where he'd really get in there and land those knees in that tie clinch. And um, I mean, like I said, it's usually very effective because the guys that get in it are freaked out. Um, they're trying so bad to get out that they're creating their own separation, which helps land the knees. In this particular circumstance, offense became great defense, which turned back into mm-hmm. offense. Um, and was able good was able to get the fight in the first round up pretty early. Like I said, it was just I mean it was bang bang bang, and fight was over. <laughs> so uh, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, it's definitely one I wouldn't skip over. Um, if you're a fan of just those quick hitters, you know two guys are going to come out and just start throwing immediately, and someone's going down the first half of the first round. This is this is a good one. Yeah, for you. It, it definitely is a great one round fight. <laughs> and Saunders is. Um, he's six three. Lyman Good is listed as six feet. I think they may be being um a bit generous to him because I don't know. He just <laughs> doesn't look like he's six foot to me. But hey, uh, very well could be. But yeah, um, Saunders is the same height as the Black Beast was. So yeah, he. Oh. I don't think there were many fighters on that card that may have been. Uh, Taller. Let me see how tall Branch is. He's got a little height on him. Yeah, Branch is only six one. He does. Yeah. Oh, really? So yeah, he he may have uh, may have been or definitely one of the taller fighters on that card. And hey, salute to um salute to Lyman Good for getting it done. Uh, former Bellator champ. You know, we gotta. Got to salute the squad whenever we get a chance. So, former Bellator champ, uh, getting it done. And I, I don't know what's going to happen with Saunders. Like you were saying, he's one and four in his last five fights. This time, coming back to uh, the UFC from Bellator, he mm-hmm. he's on like his 11th fight with them. But yeah, being one and five does not bode well for you, especially being 35 years of age. Um. Yeah, he, he, definitely his better days are behind him and his uh, days in the UFC very well may be over. Now, as I was looking through things, the only fighter I saw that was taller than good and uh, the Black Beast was the victor in the Voices Marquee matchup, which was none other than 
the last style bender, Israel Adesanya, <laughs> who lived up to his moniker and styled all over Derek Brunson. What a masterpiece. Oh my goodness. Brunson didn't help himself because he was going with those naked shots, trying to get it down to the ground. He felt like that's where he had the advantage. It's like, you know, I'm a, a, a three-time uh, Division Two All-American wrestler, you know, so you, you've never seen one with a ground game like mine. Well, we see that that uh, Division Two three-time All-American was not enough to get Adesanya down. Like I said, he had a bunch of naked shots. And I think he did it that way because he really didn't want to strike with him. So he was like, I don't want to strike with you. Let me just grab you and try to get you to the ground. But yeah, again, that did not work to his favor at all. Um, He, you know, went in for, and he kept ducking his head as he was going in. It was like, oh, he's going to get caught with a knee. And sure enough, he did get caught with a knee, and that spelled the beginning of the end. That final sequence? Oh, my goodness. Adesanya was catching him with a variety of strikes. And then to end it off with a question mark kick, overhand right combo. I mean, come on. Who does a, a question mark kick combo and the question mark kick is the first part of it, and you throw something after that. And if any t- anything, if you throw in a combo, there's a question mark kick in it. That's usually the last thing. But yeah, he he just styled all over uh, Brunson, and I thought really that his fight against uh, Brad Tavares was his, his breakout fight. This one in the uh, the home of media was definitely his his star performance. And he did himself a whole lot of favors. Brunson didn't do any favors with himself uh, shooting those naked shots. But, man, Adesanya maximized his time in New York. He was on, like, three or four different shows on Monday alone. And just, oh, my goodness, this man's fight IQ is phenomenal. Oh, his fight! His not only his fight IQ, but his memory of fights. He studies them, and he says who did what at what time and what minute of the fight, and uh, knows what UFC event it was, the the year, and all that. Where it was, I was like, dude, you are on top of your stuff. He takes his <laughs> craft very, very seriously. And really, he's one fight away from the title. Dana said he's got someone in mind at all signs point to Anderson. I don't really want to see that fight. Israel has said that he doesn't want that fight. He's a fan of uh, Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva is one of the reasons why he's like, hey, look at this skinny black guy beating everybody. I'm skinny and black. I can beat some people up too. You know, So he really doesn't want to do it. But because of how I assigned the fights, you know, like with Brunson, he was like, I wasn't throwing a hundred percent. I was throwing about forty percent or so, just kind of picking them apart or whatever, just pop, 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 you know, until he went down. So I, I wasn't hitting them with everything. And really, as a spider fan, that's probably what Anderson needs because they keep feeding him to these up and coming stars. Uh he was gifted a victory 
last time he was in New York, the spider was when he fought uh, Derek Brunson because Derek Brunson really won that fight. So he was gifted that fight. You know, again, without a sign, that'd be another rising star. They tried to throw him in with uh, Kelvin Gaslam, another rising star. So if you got to get pieced up, you know, kind of like what we were talking about before with Souza and Wyman, you know, at least get pieced up by somebody who respects you so that you don't get hurt too terribly bad. So, yeah. And it will, it will be definitely a passing of the mantle. And way for uh, the UFC to, uh, to use Anderson in this case. So we'll see. I, I see that fight happening on the same card as um, the title fight. And that way, if anyone falls out, uh, you've got to build him back up. All right. Well, that was the voices marquee matchup, but that was not the main event. The main event was a battle between fast food giants. You had Popeyes <laughs> in the blue corner. Carl's Jr. in the red corner. And the victory went to the star as DC did what he does, invaded heavy strikes, used his world-class wrestling to dominate on the ground and tapped out the Black Beast with a rear naked choke just under the three-minute mark of round two. First successful fight, or I should say first fighter in the UFC to successfully defend titles in two different weight classes. I don't think Randy uh, def- um, uh, that he defended the, the heavyweight title. We know he did the lightweight. I mean, light heavyweight, but not the heavyweight. But DC has done both while holding the belt simultaneously. The The GOAT, that, that talk is just too subjective. It's like every time someone fights, they're the GOAT. DJ fights, that he's the GOAT. DC just won. He's the GOAT. John wins. He's the GOAT. So I'll put it like this. At the very least, DC is in the top three and arguably the best heavyweight to ever do. But you, you had some, some takes on the, on the fighters. What, what, did, uh, what did you see in that fight or surrounding the fight? I did. Um, I mean, and, and we actually we talked about this on a, a couple of shows ago. Um, when this was announced, uh, I believe it was like announced the day we did the show or something. And we talked about it a little bit there. Um, and I kind of preface it with saying that I'm a big fan of Daniel Cormier and it's just, it's hard for me to find people that are not because I mean, you're watching, I mean, you're watching a, a legend in this sport right now, do what he does. And then you've got Derek Lewis, who's just an all around another good, a really good dude. Um, you know, he's, he's funny. He's charismatic. He's got like, he's just got this, Thing about him you know or you know the, the post-fight interviews and you know the Popeye's chicken stuff going on um, so you really had two good guys that kind of it seemed like everybody across Twitter especially was kind of split on because you had it was hard to hate on right. either guy you know it was like you, you this was like one of the first fights where you're like this is a stand-up guy this is a stand-up guy um, you know we like both uh, no, you know, there's no bad blood between them. They're kind of joking back and forth and, and, uh, and all of that. So the, everything surrounding this fight was great, but I think I said on the other show, I felt like Derek Lewis had z- 
zero chance in this fight. Um, I know people were saying well, he's got his puncher's chance, and I, I guess sure, but I mean, to me, that's such a marginal, <laughs> marginal uh, uh, chance in a fight against a, a, a fighter of Daniel Cormier's <clears throat> caliber. Um, that this fight, the the biggest shock to me was that this fight made it out of the <clears throat> first round. I thought for sure this fight's going to be done in the first round. And um, just looking at the stats on fight metrics, because, again, I'm a big stats guy. Shout out to fightmetric.com. Um, just looking at it, uh, Derek Lewis, and this is another thing I'd mentioned about Derek Lewis. We forget about how boring his fights can be sometimes because of the knockout mm-hmm. power. We forget, like, all of a sudden, like, you know, back in UFC 227, everybody hated Derek Lewis because he had one of the most atrocious fights of all time with Francis Ngannou. That, that was two fights ago. And then his last fight, he got pieced up for an entire three rounds and throws a haymaker with 11 seconds and knocks the fight. And so, I mean, this is a guy that notoriously is just – he's kind of a strange fighter. He gets beat up, and he kind of holds off and throws heavy hands. Um, and in this fight, he threw a total of 14 strikes. Total. Uh, 13, which of which were significant. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does have that knockout power, but he landed five. And of those five, I can assure you that four of them were kicks. Yeah. <laughs> so he landed, he landed one punch that was probably his only non-significant strike that he landed, which would have been something that he probably threw as he was getting taken down. Um, Daniel Cormier was four for four on his takedowns. Um, Daniel Cormier threw uh, 54 punches and landed 42 of them. I mean, everything was there for DC. Um, he showed why he's one of, if you want to, th- one of the best fighters in the world. He showed what an MMA fighter is. Uh, he was throwing the, the shots. I mean, he was throwing some massive mm-hmm. shots, but he was doing it on the ground. I mean, he was picking his shots. And you were watching over and over again. You were watching that head snap back, snap back, snap. I thought at one point in the first round he might get the TKO until Derek Lewis, just with pure strength, just stood up, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is something he was able to do. But, again, just to talk about how smart Daniel Cormier is, and, and I believe even Joe Rogan's called it. I mean, he called the shot you know, where he said, you can't just stand up like that against a guy of DC's caliber. He's only going to let you do it once or twice, and then he's going to let you do it a third time and take mm-hmm. your back. And that's exactly what happened. He did it two times, and then right as he rolled over to go stand back up, DC snatched around and got him on the back. Um, frankly, like, I mean, I'm a big fan of, again, both guys. Uh, Derek Lewis got paid. I mean, he, he got he got some money. He got the, the, the notoriety. He got the – the Popeye's chicken contract, right. he got everything he was going for. I'm happy for him. Uh, I really am, but I'm also happy for DC get, being able to see that. I mean, that you you nailed it. That was history. I mean, you have only the second simultane, simultaneous champion, two weight classes, right. and the first guy to ever defend both. Um, I think that's that's just crazy. It's amazing. I mean, enjoy the guy while he's here because he's not going to be here for much longer. So I'm with you the whole – I mean, I know I said it. I think that Daniel Cormier is is 
the greatest fighter of all time, MMA. Um, but arguments aside, just enjoy the guy while he's here and what he does for the sport and what he will continue to do for this sport when he's not actually fighting anymore. Yeah. Uh, definitely. But all in all, really a good fight. Uh, better than I was actually expecting. I will be honest. I, I'll say this about it and especially regarding Derek Lewis and his chances. What made this something that I had to see was number one, I knew that Cormier was coming in hurt. He couldn't even make a fist when he signed the contract <laughs> to fight. It's like, how how is that going to work out? And then on top of that, we find out after the fact that he sneezed and threw his back out the day of the fight. <laughs> Anything could have happened. <laughs> Any, you know, one of those takedowns, he could have pulled a muscle or something. And uh, if Lewis wound up on top, his grounding pound is like the best in the business. And he would have been out of oh, it. Yeah. So, you know, you, that, that, uh, that puncher's chance really, you know, had a lot of weight to carry. Fortunately, he throws that switch kick all the time, so DC was able to block it. But yeah, it, it was it was it was crazy. It, it was crazy, and I definitely enjoyed uh, watching the fight. And I was glad, like you said, for both of them. DC uh, got paid. Black Beast got paid. He was able to uh, keep his profile high. I know the the loss didn't do anything to cool him mm -hmm. off. Pardon the pun. <laughs> it did nothing to cool him off. Uh, he, he's still uh, he's still hot. <laughs> he, he, he's still hot. But anyway, uh, that's it for uh, for today's aftermath. Uh, why don't you hit him with, with some of the socials, uh, Josh? Yeah, you can follow me on uh, at on Twitter at Bearded Moose, and that is uh, Moose with two zeros. So that's M zero zero S E. Um, I am on there. I talk fancy football, college football, um, mostly MMA, especially in this time. Or, or I'm sorry, I'll be mostly MMA during the off seasons, but I still obviously sprinkling in MMA since there's a lot of cards coming oh, up yeah. in a row. Um, and at Ambush Sports and AmbushSportsNetwork.com is where I do articles and stuff. I have we've slowed down a little bit, mostly with the baby and just getting stuff done around the house. Um, but I I assure you that will start to pick up here shortly with fantasy football articles, MMA predictions, and just some write ups. Um, I believe I've got a guy that's making a write up on um, a little something to do with the flyweight division being. Um, cut tossed aside whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it um thrown out um so that hopefully will be up within the week and uh but yeah you can follow us there and then on, on facebook i'm we got ambush sports you can follow on there we do live videos and stuff especially for fantasy football and uh at josh Musel on facebook you can follow me on my personal if you want all right of course we have to salute the ones who make it happen mtmv sports sports fans rejoice my team my voice they are the platform that is the vehicle that drives aftermath uh, make sure that you're following mtmv sports on facebook twitter and on instagram uh, especially on the days of pay-per-views and or 
the uh, zone exclusive fights because your man the voice gives round by round coverage of the main cards for that there on that platform. Uh, you can also join the Debate Fuel Facebook group and chop it up there if you want to talk to me directly. Uh, it's the voice on all social media. That's T H A V as in Victor O Y as in Yankee Z as in Zulu E as in Echo. And that's everything, uh, including Snapchat, which I don't use. So if you uh, friend me there, like me there, I don't even know what you do there. But if you do that, you're not going to see anything from me. And I'm probably not going to know about it because I just made it for one of my kids. And yeah, and I don't let them use it. But anyway, uh, nevertheless, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can definitely catch me there as well as through the MTMV Sports platforms all right well until the horn sounds fight fans fight the good fight